The following podcast is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. What's up, PTB Nation? Welcome to another episode of the Parking the Bus podcast here on the PTB Media Network. I'm your host, as always, here with you on a Monday night. It's the Mr. Mike Agustinu. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Agustinu. That's at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. And follow the PTB Media Network on Twitter and Instagram as well at PTB underscore media. Another weekend of MLS action in the books and another wild one. Uh, results results have just been, you know, it, it, this is this is what makes this league fun. It's hard to predict, okay? You never know when, when um, form falls. And you never know when upsets are going to happen. In this league, they can happen at any time. Anybody can beat anybody. And that proved true again here in match day four. And it's starting to look like there's a little bit of a curse on whoever gets my PTB Media Network's power rankings number one spot each week because you don't win. <laughs> so that is that is uh, the third week in a row in the the third. It was the third list that had come out this season because I didn't do one before any matches were played. There was no preseason power rankings. So it's the third week in a row that the number one team fails to win. And will we have a new number one this week? You'll have to tune in Friday to find out, but it is possible. But speaking of a number one, we'll start there, okay? We will start with number one coming into the week. Of course, that was none other than the defending champions and defending shield holders, LAFC, hot off uh, advancing to the quarterfinals of the CONCACAF Champions League despite uh, doing it with a loss at midweek, losing 2-1 to at home to Alajuelanense. Um, they did travel north to Seattle to... to to Lumen Field, excuse me, it was <laughs> my mind was drawing a blank there. To Lumen Field to take on a previous number one, a team that was number one two weeks ago, Seattle Sounders. This was my game of the week, my match of the week, and this one was on in front of a national TV audience. It was the early matches of 4 p.m. Eastern time, 1 p.m. local time kickoff on Saturday in front of 32,515. And, um, well, it was a good game. I'm not going to say it wasn't a good game. I think LAFC is going to be happier than Seattle with this final result. But it was a nil-nil draw. No goals to talk about. Uh, plenty of action, though. The goalkeepers both played well. And as we look here, just at some of the player ratings, you know, you got Stefan Fry in goal for the Sounders, earning a 7.3 on FOTMOB. His uh, counterpart in the LAFC goal... John McCarthy with an 8.0. He was the man of the match on FOTMOB, John McCarthy was. So you could see the two goalkeepers played well. Defensively, the two teams held well. I think there was, there's something to be said about this match being played in the daytime. And uh, the, the artificial surface at Lumens Field was dry. There's no question about it. And I know I listened to the Seattle Sounders post-game uh, post show. They they 
publish it every week as a podcast after the fact. So every Monday, almost every Monday, I tune in and I catch it. It's about a 20-minute show. And they did say that they noticed that it was different for this team playing in the daytime at Lumen Field on a dry artificial uh, pitch versus playing at night when they wet it down and when there's natural dew and whatnot to to speed up the, the game. But in the end of the day, these are maybe the these are two of the best teams, probably two of the best four, we'll say, in the Western Conference. And um, I think these two teams are going to see each other again, not just in the regular season, but I think the road to through the U.S. Open Cup probably goes you know, through each other for these two teams. And I would say the same. I haven't looked at the the bracket you know, in full detail, but I'm assuming that uh, they their paths may cross in League's Cup as well. And, of course, in the Western Conference playoffs, the road to MLS Cup will no doubtably go through LAFC and or uh, Seattle this season. If you think you're going to come out of the Western Conference, you're going to have to go through at least one of these teams, if not both of them. So, a good match, but, um, you know, you expect more from the number one team, and I have been a little bit hard on LAFC this season when uh, they failed to impress even in the eye test, okay, because they came in a perfect 2-0 and in this match, and they dropped their first points of the season, but even in a win back on match day two over Portland, I was a little bit critical of the way they kind of fell asleep a bit and allowed Portland back into the match. Here they didn't do that, but they were unable to get on the score sheet themselves. This one ends a nil-nil, a share of the spoils to each, and uh, LAFC, the number one team, Fails to win yet again, <laughs> number one by my rankings. Of course, most of the ranking, the power rankings out there still have them as the number one team. I I judge things a little differently, so you'll have to wait and see what I have on on Friday. Moving forward now into the nightcap, into the big cluster of matches that that kick off at 7:30 p.m. Eastern time. We go to maybe the most informed or one of the most informed teams in Major League Soccer. Definitely the most informed in the Eastern Conference right now. And it's Atlanta United hosting the Portland Timbers. And it's turning into a little bit of a frustrating early portion of the season here for the Portland Timbers, I think. Uh, unlucky to to lose to LAFC, I thought. Um, they, they woke up just a little too late. Uh, they also found themselves beaten by the very informed St. Louis City. And now here they are traveling to Atlanta, taking on United. And it didn't go well for Giovanni Savarese's Portland Timbers. Caleb Wiley, last week's player of the week, would, would open the scoring. Of course, there would be, before that, there would be a goal ruled out by VAR. And that goal would take place early in the match. It looked like uh, Portland had taken the lead. And uh, that came here, came here early. And looking it up right now. It was it was in the first 10-15 minutes, but it looked like it had gone in, but the VAR ruled uh you know, he overruled it and uh the goal was was called back. And here it was. It was in the 6th minute a VAR decision took the goal away from Eric Williamson and um it remained nil-nil for a little longer and then in the 20 Fifth minute, Atlanta United breaks the scoring, and I talked about Caleb Wiley. And he got a beautiful ball, a beautiful feed here from the world champion, from Tiago Almada. I am never going to get tired of singing the praises of Tiago Almada in Major League Soccer. What a, what a joy it is to have a player like this in, in our league. 
and he puts Wiley in on a breakaway, and Caleb Wiley finishes very, very well. Left-footed shot from the center of the box into the bottom right corner. 1-0 Atlanta United after 25 minutes. And it would stay that way for a little bit there, and we would then take that scoreline into halftime. So at halftime, it would be... Or just before halftime, excuse me. Just before halftime in the 45th plus 5, Atlanta would double their lead from a set piece. It's the second one this year, and man, it's even prettier than the first one. I said his name already. I'm going to say it again. I think I'm going to say it a lot this week. It's Tiago Almada, the Argentina international, scoring an absolute highlight reel of a goal from a set piece. And it's 2-0 Atlanta United. The five stripes take that 2-0 lead into the break. And they come out flying again, and it doesn't take long. Giorgio's Giacomakis nearly makes it 3-0 in the 49th. And the Greek striker would finally get his moment in the 59th minute. It is Giorgio's Giacomakis. Sorry for that pronunciation. I usually can do the, the Greek names a little better than that. Let's do it again. Giorgios Giacomakis with the goal, assisted by Caleb Wiley, last week's player of the week. He's got a goal and an assist, and if it wasn't for one of his teammates this week, I think he'd be a contender to win that again. But the Greek striker makes it 3-0. Atlanta United, and it was, it was looking like it was going to be a long, long night for Portland Timbers here. And we see some substitutes in the 73rd minute. Santiago Sosa re replaces Franco Ibarra. And Derek Etienne Jr. replaces Caleb Wiley. That's in the 73rd. In the 75th, it is the new signing, the DP. It's Lu Luis Araujo, the Brazilian, picks up his second goal of the season. And I'll give you one guess who picked up the assist on this one. Yes, I'm going to say that name again. It's Tiago Almada. Man. What a player, and what a weekend he had for the uh, in this one. He had a hand in almost every goal. Um, it's now 4-0 with a quarter of an hour to go. Giovanni Severici makes two substitutes. Tega Ikoba replaces Zach McGraw, and Diego Gutierrez replaces Jaroslaw Nizgoda at this point. And then in the 77th, two more changes for Atlanta. Johnny Fortune replaces Amar Sedic, and Miguel Berry replaces... The striker, the new signing who came over, the Greek striker Georgios Giacomaki, and he would come on, and Miguel Berry gets a few good minutes to to get a run in on the pitch. And we there's still more to come. It would be in the 83rd minute, though. The Timbers would pull one back. Tega Ikoba, the substitute, off a an assist on a it was assist from Diego. Gutierrez on a cross, and it was headed into the bottom right corner by Tego, Tega Ikoba, and it's now 4-1. But just in case they wanted, to, just in case Portland had an idea that they were going to make a little bit of a comeback, the man of the hour, the man of the moment, for me, the best player in Major League Soccer, Tiago Almada, one more time, sends the Atlanta faithful home happy. 86th minute, he gets a feed from Derek Etienne, and he takes a right-footed shot from the center of the box into the bottom right corner, 5-1 Atlanta United. That's how this one finishes. The five stripes are top of the Eastern Conference. CF Montreal hosting Philadelphia Union. 
Philadelphia Union, much like uh, LAFC, also moved on to the quarterfinals of the CONCACAF Champions League. Now they hit the road. They go north of the border to Montreal. And this one, not in Saputo Stadium, not in the Stade Saputo, but next door in the Big O in the Olympic Stadium. Um, it's cold, obviously. <laughs> it was. Uh, it's uh, still too cold this time of year to play outside in Montreal, and that's why this game was played inside. Um by the way, it was 42,648 in that Atlanta-Portland match. This one in Montreal had a crowd of 23,352. That is a full house if it's at the Saputo. Of course, in the Big O, uh, there's a lot of empty seats left behind. But it was a great, it was a great atmosphere. And it started off with Kyoto scoring for CF Montreal. I still want to call them the Impact. And you know what? When you see the shots of the crowd, they're all still wearing Impact jerseys. They're wearing that royal blue. Nobody's wearing the gray. Nobody's wearing the black. Montreal, just go back to being the Impact. Bring back the colors that everyone's wearing. These fans are not having this. This badge is fine, but bring back, bring back the identity of the Impact. They take the lead in the third minute from the penalty spot. And it is Kyoto who picks it up. Romel Kyoto to be exact. He was also the man of the match in this one. But then you come in to the second half in the Union. Get it going. Jim Curtin must have had a great speech at halftime to get them going. Because it is Mikel Ura. Uh, and I still think I'm saying his name wrong. But the Hungarian will score in the 46th minute. And then once again in the 60th. And Philadelphia Union look like they're going to cruise to yet another victory. And it, it, they, they, I sorry, I miss, miss, uh, spoke. He is not Hungarian, he is Danish, Mikhail Ura. And, um, he would score two. His double looked like it was going to bring three points back to Philadelphia. Again, I rate them very, very highly. Uh, they spent, they spent a, a week at number one on my rankings, but, uh, like everyone else, they then went on a little bit of a, a slump, and here they are with another one. It was in the 90th when they thought they had got the three points. Namidi 4 would equalize late with a header, and it would be 2-2. And you'd expect you'd expect Philadelphia to tighten up and just get these this point on the road and go home with that. But in the 90th, plus 8, Romel Kyoto steps up again, making his case for Player of the Week. He would score the winner in the 90th, plus 8. Montreal with their first win of the season. And they take down the defending Easter Conference champs in front of a good crowd at the Olympic Stadium. Moving on, we go to frigid cold, Fox, I want to call it Foxborough Stadium. It's Gillette Stadium in Foxborough. It's the Revolution hosting Nashville SC. Nashville coming in unbeaten in this one. And, uh, well, it was absolutely freezing for this one. Let me tell you, I live here. It was absolutely freezing. A crowd of 14,930 showed up, uh, still on the low side. You know if the Patriots were playing, you would have no problem filling the stands. And I'm sorry, I expect the same out of our football fans. Uh, at least, there's no reason that there shouldn't be 20,000 in the house for a match like this. Okay, a lot of the Revolution fans are on the social media talking and complaining. They're, they're, they hate Apple TV+. Plus. They hate, you know, 
all the games at the same time. They want this. They want that. They're not even in the stands for their own matches. And I'm sorry. Uh, I know on hand of plenty of Revolution fans who have season tickets and chose to stay home on this one. So I'm calling you out on it. Yeah, it was cold. But you know what? It was cold in Toronto, too. And they went. It, it was cold in a couple other places. That does not get you a buy. But Gustavo Bo would score the winner here in the 52nd minute. Nashville unable to equalize. And they dropped their first match of the season. The New England Revolution get back to their winning ways after last week's uh, beatdown, quite frankly, that they took in L.A. at the hands of LAFC. They're back to their winning ways now. Bruce Arena's side with three wins and a, and, a, and a loss in their first four. One of their best starts in recent memory. And I think they are somebody that's going to have a say in the Eastern Conference race this season. And I think they, uh, they're they going to factor in. They're not going to be an easy, an easy out for anybody as New England picks up three more points. Yankee Stadium is the site for NYCFC, New York City FC versus D.C. United. And this one drew a crowd bigger than the Revs did. So I have, I'm going to be fair here. 17,281 at Yankee Stadium. And New York City FC looking to pick up their second win uh, in on the trot here. And they would get the start they needed as it would be. It would be. Talis Magno in his with his first here, uh, he would score in the 17th minute on an assist from Brian Kufre. And then 20 minutes later in the 37th, Santi Rodriguez would make it 2-0 thanks to an assist from Gabriel Pereira. DC United, though, uh, would fight back. They weren't going to go down easy. Wayne Rooney subs on three at halftime. On comes Jacob Green, Pedro Santos, and Victor Palson. They replace Ruan, Nigel Roberta, and Russell Canus. And in the it was in that first minute of the second half, right away, the answer from DC United. It is the former Premier League star Christian Benteke with a goal from Atus Klitsch. A brilliant ball uh, played in from the left side, and Benteke with a nice header putting it in the post. Uh, sorry, in the far post, beating the New York City FC keeper and making it 2-1. to one. Barraza unable to get a hand on that ball. And going forward, New York City would try to get the best of the action here. And they would finally, after a much more evenly played second half, you would see... You would see it come down late here in the 88th minute. It is Chagu with the goal, assisted by Santi Rodriguez for New York City. And the citizens go ahead 3-1. But they couldn't sit on that very long because two minutes later in the 90th, it's the captain, Steven Birnbaum, pulling one more back for DC United. Another assist for Mateus Kleech. And that is as close as DC United would get. And this one finishes in the Bronx with New York City winning 3-2 across the Hudson River in Harrison. It is the Red Bulls taking on the crew. Red Bulls looking for their first win of the season. The visiting crew looking to pick up more points on the road here. And uh, it would be the visitors who get the first strike in the 33rd minute. Alexandru Matan makes it 1-0 crew. It goes to halftime that way, and 
the Red Bulls come out a little bit more energized in the second half. Again, a cold night in in Jersey. 15,412 in the house at Red Bull Arena. So even they drew more people in the Revolution, which is usually not the case. The, the Red Bulls typically draw less, even though they have a you know a more appropriate stadium for, for football. But nonetheless, uh, in the 58th minute, it is Luquinhas. Getting the home side level, the Brazilian makes it 1-1, and the Red Bulls are back, and they're running here. And then in the 86th minute, the tide turns as John Tolkien sets up Dante Van Zier, and Van Zier, the the Belgian, makes it 2-1 to to the Red Bulls, and that is all they would need. New York Red Bulls 2, Columbus Crew 1. They'll take their first victory of, of the season as well. So, Montreal Montreal, and New York Red Bulls both pick up their first wins of the season. Would it be three would it be a third team to pick up their first win of the season? We head to Orlando to find out and Orlando City, a team I have uh, come to like this season. I really now that I've watched them play four times, I really feel good about them going forward, but they took a step back here in this one for me as they look to they look to add to to what they've done so far. They've been very hard to score on. Pedro Galese in goal has been absolutely lights out this season, but it it would run into an obstacle here and a team who is hungry for a win. I'm talking about Charlotte FC. This one played at at Exploria Stadium. 18,123 at this one. And in the 26th minute, it is the designated player. It is the big money signing in the offseason. I'm talking, of course, about Enzo Copetti, who puts Charlotte FC ahead much long-awaited lead for Charlotte FC, assisted by Jalen Lindsay. Eleven minutes later, Kerwin Vargas doubles the lead for the Crown, and Charlotte are up two nil here. And the traveling support is is believing that they're finally going to get that first win. Now we've said every week I talk about Charlotte, and I've felt in every match they're much better than they showed. I've always felt that they. They shoot themselves in the foot too much in this in this this MLS season. I it just is match after match, mistake after mistake, where they just allow the other team to to capitalize on just mistake. You know, uh, just avoidable mistakes. That's the word I'm looking for. There, avoidable, unforced mistakes. And here they get a two nil lead. They go into halftime with that lead. Oscar Pereja makes two substitutions at halftime. On comes Ivan Angulo and Kyle Smith in place of Dagor Torhalsen and Rafael Santos. And in the 57th, they do pull one back. Martin Ojeda from Duncan McGuire makes it 2-1. to one, And they would put the North Carolina side under all kinds of pressure here. And... They would go right down to the to the wire. We you thought that they were going to pull level. It looked like Orlando City had pulled level, had made it two two when the referees or the referee assistance flag goes up for offside. VAR confirms it. No goal. It it, it stays two one in some way somehow. A very nervous down the stretch. A very nervous 
Charlotte FC manages to hold on and pick up their first victory of the season. Again, it's worth noting we're seeing a little bit more and more of Nuno Santos every match, and I think he needs to be worked into the starting lineup for this Charlotte FC side. I'm obviously more familiar with him than I am some of the other players, given that he came from my club, and I, I saw him play in the in the B team and in the youth teams coming through the ranks at Benfica. And um, even Taylor Twelman had said it on past broadcasts that he that you know that the manager here. He needs Christian Latanzio needs to get Pedro Santos on Nuno Santos, excuse me, on the pitch sooner. He needs to get him more minutes. In the end, they survive and Charlotte FC get their first points of the season. A tough road win in Orlando. We go north to Toronto and talk about cold. Who would you rather play in the freezing cold than Inter Miami? Okay, Inter Miami were trending in the right direction. They were flying high, but they met they met a polar vortex up there in Toronto. And in the 48th minute, it was Jonathan Osorio on an assist from Richie Larea to make it 1-0 in the 69th. Mark Anthony K would would make it 2-0 on an assist from Federico Bernadeschi. That's all Toronto would need to send home. There's 20,701 in attendance, happy with their first victory of the season. Add them to the list of teams that picked up their first victory of the season. Uh, this weekend was a weekend for that, for, for winless teams to get there first. Uh, interesting to note, though, next week Toronto will be without six of their players. Due to international an international break that MLS is playing right through, and I kind of get it because you're taking a month off in between, you know, the end of July and the end of August, so you you kind of can't sit out this international break. The United States is not calling up Major League Soccer players, with the exception of Miles Robinson in Atlanta. The rest of the U.S. team for these Concacaf Nations League uh, matchups is European based, of course. Other national teams aren't as deep and can't afford to do that, and the Nations League is very important for Canada, and they are calling up their Canadian internationals. And I think Toronto is going to field a, you know, a an affected a weekend squad next week. So it was very very important for Toronto to get three points here in this one. And now we go to Soldier Field for the lowest attendance of the night and of the season. And I I don't know that this is. Going to be broken this season. 7,815 is all that the fire could bring out to Soldier Field to take on uh, FC Cincinnati. And, of course, about 400 of those are FC Cincinnati fans. So that made the trip up. Um, and this was this was a match. And um, this was a match that, you know, I think to, that, excuse me, Chicago is going to look back on later in the season. And I think they're going to... This is another one where they're going to think about the points that got away. That's because um, they really let this one slip away. They had a chance to beat one of the Eastern Conference's better teams in FC Cincinnati. It was FC Cincinnati taking the lead, however, in the eighth minute. The Venezuela International Junior Moreno on his way to the national team. But first, he picks up a goal here in the eighth minute on assist from Brandon Vasquez. He tries to... Returned the favor shortly thereafter, and Brendan Vasquez with the with a wide open goal uh, rushes his shot a little too much and puts it wide. Brandon Vasquez right now in a bit of a slump. He's he's looking and needing to uh, get his goal scoring touch back, and 
Uh, I think I think what uh, what he needs is just to get one, and then I think the others are going to go. He is a he's a very very good goal scorer, a very good forward in this league. But right now, Brandon Vasquez is struggling. In the 32nd minute, though, Casper Prezipko would pull the home side level, assisted by Brian Gutierrez, and it would be 1-1 in the 32nd. And then right before halftime, it it was a quick call. It didn't seem like it, but then the referee would go to the VAR and he would point to the spot a penalty in favor of Chicago Fire. Rafael Chicos steps up. He goes straight up the middle. And Roman Celitano tries to keep his his feet in the middle of the goal. He tries to use all of his height to keep it out. He does get his feet to the to the shot, but unable to keep it out. And Chicago Fire go into the halftime team talk ahead two to one. And I'm sure if you are in the FC Cincinnati locker room, Pat Noonan is saying we got to get the next goal, guys. Well, in the opening kickoff of the second half. Um, just seconds into the second half. I think it was 18 seconds into the second half. Chicago Fire before FC Cincinnati had even touched the ball. Arno Soque crosses it into the area, and Chris Mueller gets on the end of it, takes a touch, puts it down, looks up, and buries a rocket in the top corner. 3-1 Chicago Fire, and this does look like an improved Chicago Fire team, but... You see quickly in matches like this why some teams struggle at the bottom of the table and others don't. In the 84th minute, with this match in their hands, Chicago Fire let it slip after a, a, just an absolute barrage from FC Cincinnati. Pat Noonan sends on Santiago Arias, Arias sorry, and, and Sergio Santos in the 61st, and then Lucho Acosta and Archimedes Ordonez in the 80th. And that changes everything in the last 10 minutes because in the 84th, it is Sergio Santos, the Brazilian substitute, on a a goal that was just put on a platter for him by the other substitute, Lucho Acosta. I mean, this is the nicest assist you might see in Major League Soccer all season. Acosta puts this ball on a rope over the defensive line onto the chest of Sergio Santos. And Sergio makes no mistake and buries it. It is 3-2 now with six minutes to play. And just three minutes later on a corner kick, the ball is played into the area. It's poorly cleared by the Chicago defense. Falls for Junior Moreno, who just swings at it whatever which way he can. He gets just enough on it. He pings it off the far post, and it crosses the line before the spin takes the ball into the other post. But it does cross the line. It is 3-3, and just like that, Chicago allow Two points to slip. This one finishes 3-3 at Soldier Field. Cincinnati will feel like it's a point one, not two points drop because they were looking at their first loss of the season until the final six minutes. Toyota Park in Frisco, Texas for this clash between FC Dallas and Sporting Kansas City. And Sporting Kansas City looking to join all the other winless teams here and to pick up their first win of the season. And it started out well as Daniel Saloy converted a penalty in the 11th minute. Sorry, he didn't convert the penalty. He scored from open play um, and made it 1-0. It would be later in the match that we would talk about a penalty. But before that, in the 55th, Alan Velasco pulls FC Dallas level on an assist from the longtime veteran Sebastian Legette. 
And then we come to the 62nd minute penalty called. And Eric Tomi steps up. It is saved by the Dallas goalkeeper by Martin Pace, the Dutch goalkeeper. However, a VAR review would confirm that Pace actually left his goal line before the shot was taken. So the penalty kick was repeated. And again, Tommy's shot is saved by Pace. It stays 1-1. And it'll stay that way until the 84th minute when who else? Who else do you think of when you think FC Dallas? None other than Jesus Ferreira who would score again. And this time, Jesus Ferreira's goal would be worth the three points as FC Dallas will win 2-1 in Frisco in front of their home fans, in front of a crowd of 17,467. Texas Derby here, a Texas Classico, if you will, in Houston. It's Houston taking on Austin at their brand-newly remodeled Shell Energy Stadium. 19,047 in the house for this one, and... This was exactly what Houston needed. Another club who needed their first victory, no doubt about it. And they would get it here as uh, they would take on their rivals. And they would get the help in the second half of a VAR decision that does reveal a handball in the Austin penalty area. And at that point, Houston's Amine Bassi steps up, converts the penalty. And it's 1-0 to the home side. And then four minutes from time, it is the designated player, the former Atletico Madrid man, Hector Herrera, the Mexican national team, longtime standout, who scores his first career MLS goal. And Houston Dynamo take their first victory of the season. And who else to do it against one of their rivals from, from the Lone Star State? Houston 2, Austin 0. Austin picks up their second defeat. Uh, of the season we move now to the city field Uh, we move to sorry city park in st louis missouri it is the most on form team in the league it is the expansion st louis city taking on the san jose quakes and you know you just figure each week that this this thing this is going to end this run Um, a lot of people don't want to believe but in the 34th Minute, it would be St. Louis City going ahead. Nicholas Giaucini would put the ball in the back of the net. It'd be 1-0 to St. Louis City. His strike partner, João Klaus, the Brazilian, would make it 2-0 just before halftime. 45 plus 3. A bunch of substitutions made here in the second half. And the Quakes try to get back in it, but in the 68th minute, Thomas Ostrak makes it 3-0, puts it out of reach. And St. Louis City is now officially the best starting expansion team in league history. Four matches, four victories. Is that enough to put them top of my power rankings? You'll find out on Friday. Dick Sporting Goods Park in Commerce City, Colorado. It is the Rapids taking on. Minnesota United in front of 12,538, another market that needs some help, that needs to get some more people to these matches. And another team desperately in need of a victory, no no question about it. And when you talk about Colorado Rapids, um, 
but it would not be their day either at home here against Minnesota United as Amarilla's penalty kick in the 54th and Tapias's 82nd minute goal were enough to better Colorado's Bassett goal in the 49th minute. This one finishes Colorado 1, Minnesota 2, second victory of the season for Minnesota United. And then the final game of the night, the late one, the 10.30 start. I admit I did not make it through this one. I had to watch the highlights the next day on this one, and I, I watched part of it the next day. But this one takes place at Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson, California, 23,112. See LA Galaxy and Vancouver Whitecaps play to a 1-1 draw. The Whitecaps did get ahead in the 14th minute thanks to Tristan Blackman on an assist from the newly international, uh, U.S. international, Julian Gressel, as the Caps looked like they were going to try to steal one here on the road, but just before halftime, Kelvin Leardham made it 1-1. That's how this one finishes, and not not a great start to the season for uh, L.A. Galaxy here, and um, you know they're going to be feeling the pressure with their crosstown rivals being the defending champs and looking good in Champions League and now off to a good start in this Major League Soccer regular season. That was the entirety of Match Day 4. Let's take a look now at the table here. Starting in the Eastern Conference, Atlanta sits top of the table with 10 points. Uh, New England second with 9. A very good start for Bruce Arena's revolution. Third right now belongs to FC Cincinnati. They're still unbeaten. Uh, They got two wins and two draws, 8 points. One point better than Nashville, who's in fourth, and New York City, who's in fifth. Both of those teams with seven points. Then with six, you have Philadelphia Union and Inter Miami, fifth and sorry, sixth and seventh, respectively. Toronto cracks into the top ten here as their victory puts them in eighth place with five points. Also on fi- on five points and into the top ten is New York Red Bulls on five points and also. Still on five points, I should say, Orlando City rounding out the top ten. In the Western Conference, St. Louis City, as we said, 12 points. Perfect. Four matches, four victories, 11 goals for, four against. That's a very good start to the season. They have a five-point lead atop of the Western Conference. LAFC, with a match in hand, is second with seven points. Same number of points as Seattle Sounders. However, the Sounders... Uh, don't have a match in hand. The Sounders have two victories, a draw, and a defeat, whereas Los Angeles FC has two victories and a draw. Fourth place right now, also on seven points, belongs to FC Dallas. And fifth place, also on seven points, Minnesota United. Austin FC right now are on are in sixth place with six points, same amount of points as San Jose Earthquakes. Houston Dynamo crack into the top ten of the Western Conference with their win. They have three points. They are eighth. Ninth right now is Real Salt Lake, also with three points. And the Portland Timbers round out the top ten, and they are also on three points. Um, Next week's fixtures. All right, so again, Major League Soccer is playing through this international break. And the early match next week will be pro- will be at Providence Park. It'll be Portland Timbers hosting LA Galaxy, 4.30 Eastern, 1.30 Pacific. That, I'm assuming, is the national TV match uh, on Fox. I'm double-checking that for you right now. It is the national TV match on Fox. Fox Deportes and, of course, on MLS Season Pass on Apple uh, TV+. Plus. 
Then you have Charlotte hosting New York Red Bulls, Columbus Crew hosting Atlanta, DC United hosting New England Revolution, Inter Miami returns home to take on Chicago Fire. Both of those teams I think will be happy to get out of the cold. Philadelphia Union return home, they they host Orlando City. Austin FC hosts Colorado Rapids. Houston Dynamo hosting New York City. Minnesota United welcome the Vancouver Whitecaps to the land of a thousand lakes. And I wonder if snow will be in the forecast again for Minnesota. Big one in Nashville in Music City, USA. Nashville SC versus FC Cincinnati. A little bit of a rivalry there um, from the former USL sides. And uh, that is looking like a match of the week candidate right there. We're into the 8.30 kickoffs now. Also at 8.30, it is Sporting Kansas City hosting Seattle Sounders. You move to the 9.30 kickoff in Sandy, Utah. It's Real Salt Lake hosting the unbeaten, untied, top of the league, top of the supporters, Shield Race, St. Louis City. Will their run continue? Do they get out of Utah still perfect? We'll find out next Saturday. Then in the nightcaps, in the late ones, 10.30 Eastern time starts, 7.30 Pacific. LAFC returns home. They'll host FC Dallas. And San Jose Earthquakes host Toronto FC. That is next week's matchups. Quickly, let's look at... The scoring race as it stands right now, the Golden Boot race in Major League Soccer. It is Tiago Almada at the top of the list. Four goals for the Argentine. Caleb Wiley, his teammate, is second with three, as is Jesus Ferreira, João Klaus, and Jordan Morris. All of those players with three goals. And then FC Dallas's Alan Velasco leads a long list of players with two. Um... 18, 16 to be exact. 16 players in Major League Soccer right now with two goals. No, more than that. (laughs) I think I had it right the first time. It is... It goes from it is 19 players in Major League Soccer right now with two goals. So that is where the scoring race stands right now. That's Major League Soccer for match day. For let's take a look real quickly at the USL Championship that is now two weeks into its season. Let's take a look at some fixture, some results here. As uh, it is important, like I say, to support your local club, and some of your local clubs play in the USL Championship. Let's go to Saturday, March the 11th, Memphis 901 FC. One Loudon United FC three Miami FC one FC Tulsa one. Birmingham Legion FC 1, Pittsburgh Riverhounds 1, Charleston Battery and Phoenix Rising also play to a 1-1. This is back in match day 1. Tampa Bay Rowdies hosting Indy 11, another 1-1 draw. San Antonio FC, the defending champions with a 3-1 win over Oakland Roots. El Paso Locomotive lose at home 1-0 to Sacramento Republic. Monterey Bay FC win 5-3 against Hartford Athletic, Orange County SC. 1-3 losers at home to Louisville City FC. And San Diego Loyal SC will win 1-0 in match day one at home against Detroit City. On Sunday, March 12th, Rio Grande Valley Toros 1-1 draw with Las Vegas uh, Lights. And then you move to March 15th, match day two, El Paso Locomotive hosting Colorado Springs Switchblades and the visiting Switchblades win 2-1 in El Paso. Friday, March 17th, Birmingham Legion 3, FC Tulsa 2. 
Saturday's action in USL Championship, Memphis 901 FC, visited by Pittsburgh Riverhounds, and the Riverhounds win 3-1 on the road in Memphis. Miami FC beaten at home by New Mexico United. Colorado Springs Switchblades get a 1-1 draw with Hartford Athletic in the Rocky Mountains. El Paso Locomotive playing their third match of the season. They're beaten at home by Detroit City. Monterey Bay FC is beaten at home by Louisville City. Orange County draws 1-1 with the Tampa Bay Rowdies, while Sacramento Republic win 1-1 with, uh, sorry, draw 1-1 with, Ch with Charleston Battery. And Sunday's matches, Loudoun United FC 1-1 with the Champs. San Antonio FC, San Diego Lo Loyal, 3-0 winners over Phoenix Rising and Rio Grande Valley. Another 1-1 draw this time with Oakland Roots. Matches coming up this weekend in USL on Friday. Pittsburgh Riverhounds host Miami FC. Rio Grande Valley host Monte Monterey Bay. That's an 8 o'clock kickoff. And then Saturday, March the 25th, 2 p.m. in Hartford. It is Hartford Athletic hosting Birmingham Legion. While Louisville City FC at 3 o'clock will host El Paso Locomotive. Detroit City FC at 4 p.m. host Indy 11 in a Midwest derby there of sorts. Very close proximity to each other. Charleston Battery start off the night games with a 7.30 kickoff against Tampa Bay Rowdies FC. Tulsa an hour later versus Loudoun United. And then San Antonio play home to Colorado Springs. While Oakland Roots play at home to Memphis 901. Uh, at 10 p.m. Orange County play home to Las Vegas Light Lights, another regional uh, derby of sorts, um, if you want to call a five-hour drive a regional derby, but the West is huge, and Las Vegas and Orange County are relatively close to each other. And then you do have a California derby also at 10 p.m., Sacramento Republic versus San Diego Loyal. All right, the table in USL Championship after two rounds. Louisville City, where we're starting in the East. Louisville City is 2-0, 6 points for them. Birmingham Legion, uh, Loudoun United, Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh Riverhounds all with 4 points. Detroit City is 5th with 3, and then you have Charleston Battery and Tampa Bay Rowdies with 2 points apiece in 6th and 7th, uh, respectively. 8th belongs to FC Tulsa with 1 point, same as Hartford Athletic. Indy 11 and Miami FC, while Memphis uh, 901 is the only win, uh, only team with no points, I should say, in the Eastern Conference. In the West, the San Diego Loyal lead with six points. Colorado Springs with four points. Sacramento Republic and San Antonio FC also on four points. Then with three points, you have fifth place Monterey Bay. Sixth place, New Mexico United. In seventh place, it is Rio Grande Valley with two points. Las Vegas Lights are the 8th place team with 1 point. Also on 1 point is Oakland Roots, Orange County, and Phoenix Rising. Well, El Paso Locomotive, with 3 matches played, have 3 defeats. They have no points. That is USL Championship for this week. And lastly, let's let's uh, actually let's take a quick break here. And on the other side of this break, uh, we'll start in Liga MX, and then we will go around the world. All right. Um, also, a quick reminder: this week there is no Concacaf Champions League, obviously, as there is uh, an international break. But there is round one of the U.S. Open Cup. So this Friday, I will be doing another midweek. Uh, midweek madness type episode where I'll recover, I'll recount the action from this past uh, midweek, 
as we'll look at we will look at the US Open Cup as well as the UEFA Women's Champions League as the quarterfinals kick off uh, today. They kicked off today here uh, this Tuesday, March the 21st, and they will continue through tomorrow, Wednesday. So we'll have some matches to talk about, and I think that's what I'm going to touch on some of the news items that I've been waiting to talk about. Okay, uh, so there will be another episode dropping on Friday uh, with an update, and I I will probably and I will also I'll reveal the power rankings uh, on that Friday episode as well. All right, this is a quick break here to pay a bill. It's the Mister Michael Gustinho. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Michael Gustinho. That's at M I K E A G O S T I N H O. And don't forget to check out our homepage www.parkingthebusmedia.com and go back in that in that podcast feed and listen to Birth of a Soccer Nation episodes 1 and 2 are already out episode 3 will drop this Thursday and every throwback Thursday here on the Parking the Bus media feed or on its own feed as well on Spotify Birth of a Soccer Nation catch it now and welcome back to the Parking the Bus podcast here on the PTB Media Network we move now to Mexico into Liga MX, and just like in Major League Soccer, you got a handful of teams that competed midweek in the CONCACAF Champions League. Now, we just listened in the previous segment to Major League Soccer, and you might have noticed that none of the teams from Major League Soccer that played midweek in the CONCACAF Champions League were able to win on the weekend in the league. Well, in Mexico, that would not be the case because right off the bat, it was Atlas hot after their big comeback win. Midweek over Olympia, they travel to Puebla here to start round 12 of Liga MX. This is the Clausura season, and Atlas go to Puebla, and they play this match at the Estadio Guatemoc in Puebla in front of a crowd of 15,711. And it, it was a game that actually was going to go very, very well for Atlas. Uh, last year's double champions... They get a goal early. It's It only took six minutes for Brian Lozano to make it 1-0 to Atlas in the 17th minute. Julian Quinones would make it 2-0, and they take that into halftime. In the second half, it would only get worse for Puebla as Gaston Silva would redirect the ball into his own goal, making it 3-0 on an own goal. Brian Lozano would double his tally in the 68th minute. Puebla win 4-0. In Baja California, it is in Tijuana. It is Cholos taking on Toluca. This match taking place at the Estadio Caliente. And Toluca on the road here looking to get some points. And it would be Toluca who get on the board first. And they start flying. Yes, they do. 21st minute Maximiliano Araujo. Araujo would make it 1-0, assisted by Jean Meneses. And then three minutes later, the same Maxi Araujo, Maxi Araujo, excuse me, uh, would make it 2-0 for Toluca. And Brian Angulo, still before halftime in the 35th minute, on an assist from Marcel Ruiz, makes it 3-0 to Toluca. And it looks like they are going to coast to an easy road victory, but not so fast. Cholos come back in the second half, 48th minute. Lucas Rodriguez cuts the lead 3-1. And then the 59th, it's Carlos Valenzuela that would make it 3-2. And now Cholos are believing, and it would be the Canadian international, the striker, Lucas Daniel, 
Cavallini, who would pull the game level. We're all squared up in the 77th minute, and uh, that is this. That is how it would finish. They couldn't get any more goals after that, but a very, very strong second half from Cholos, and this one finishes 3-3 in Tijuana. Mezatlan at home to Nicaxa. This is a, a battle of two teams trying to get trying to get on the right foot as you know the the Clausura playoffs, the Liguilla in the Reclasificación are already kind of in the sights, right? We have only, I believe, five more weeks of the regular season. Stadio de Mazatlan in Mazatlan, Mexico, 12,205 saw this one. And, well, Nicaxa are on the verge of, they are on the outside looking in, but Mazatlan desperately needing points. They come into this one in 18th place. That's a dead last with only four points. But, again, a win streak can change everything in Liga Mex. It is a short season. Remember, they play a split season, two championships per year. And, uh, again, a small win streak can change everything, but it wasn't going to be for the home side in this one as Nicaxa would get the valuable three points when in the 45th minute, Ricardo Monreal would score on an assist from Brian Garnica, and this would end 1-0 in favor of the visitors. Nicaxa, three big points for them. Move to Saturday's action, and we are at the Estadio Estadio. Teca, and we have Cruz Azul hosting Atletico San Luis. This one would be a this will be just a a battle of two teams, sort of you know canceling each other out. Two teams both trying to get trying to get the uh, the better of it, and it w- you'd see more of Cruz Azul in this one with a two point zero seven. Expected goals to Atletico San Luis's 0.87 possession. Fairly close in this one, 52 to 48. But the difference would be in in the finishing. And actually the difference would be that the referee would point to the penalty spot. And Cruz Azul would be awarded a penalty kick. And in the 82nd minute, Ivan Morales converts the penalty kick. Cruz Azul pick up three points in this one. And they... Do themselves a favor as, again, we are heading towards the the tail end of this clausura. And Cruz Azul up to 8th place now in Liga MX. Uh, later on Saturday, it was the Clásico Regio, the Battle of Monterrey. It is Tigres taking on Monterrey in El Volcán. Tigres, of course, had that big uh, win, or it was, it was a draw, actually, but they advanced past Orlando City in the CONCACAF Champions League. So some tired legs after the travel uh, came into this one. Yes, they were at home against their arch rivals, and they were the better team in the match. But again, it would come down to to finishing, and the only finish would come by way of Reados. That's Monterrey, and it would be Luis Romo on an assist from Celso Ortiz and uh, Rayados of Monterrey would take the 1-0 win on the road at their arch rivals Tigres and Monterrey flying in Liga Mekis this season. And then El Clásico de México, this one would be in Guadalajara in El Estadio Acron. Chivas hosting America, the most bitter of rivals. I did my best to stay up for this one. This one had an amazing 11.25 p.m. kickoffs uh, here in the East Coast. I watched 
uh, half of it on Saturday and watch the rest on Sunday. But it was one heck of an, uh, an evening for Jonathan Rodriguez, the Uruguayan striker, with two goals in the first half for Club America. First one assisted by Diego Valdez. Second one assisted by Henry Martin. Henry Martin still productive, still getting it done for Las Aguilas. And still before halftime, Leonardo Suarez made it 3-0 to Las Aguilas going in to halftime. Chivas sub on Alexis Vega in the 46th minute in place of Ronaldo Cisneros. And before before he could even get it going in the 53rd minute, it was Henry Martin. I just talked about him with an assist in the first half. In the second half, he gets on the end of a ball from Emilio Lara. Henry Martin makes it 4-0 America. And... Um, Chivas will get a lifeline here in the 62nd minute on an own goal from Emilio Lara, making it 4-1. And then in the 72nd, to make it interesting, it was Sergio Flores scoring for Chivas. An assist from former Charlotte FC striker Daniel Rios, but that's as close as Chivas would get. This one finishes um, a victory for the travel for the visitors. And for the traveling support, uh, it's Chivas Guadalajara 2, Club America 4. And then on Sunday at the Olimpico, at the Universitario, uh, the, uh, the Universitario Olimpico, <laughs> the Olimpico de Universitario, sorry, in, in uh, Mexico City, it was, it was Pachuca visiting, um, you know, visiting Pumas, and it didn't take long for this one to become uh, a tough one for the home side as Gustavo Del Prete would be sent off on a straight red in the 29th minute. Pumas would hang for a while, but in the 56th, uh, Pachuca would finally take the lead. Jose Castillo with a goal on an assist from Antonio Figueroa. Remember, uh, Pachuca having a tough week midweek as they did draw at home to Mort to Motagua and were eliminated from the CONCACAF Champions League. But unlike most of their uh, most of their rivals that played in, in the Champions League midweek, Pachuca would pick up a victory and they would seal it here in the 80th. Mauricio Isais would score on an assist from Javier Lopez. Pumas nil, Pachuca two. Querétaro hosting Juarez uh, this match taking place at the Estadio La Corregidora in Santiago de Querétaro, a battle of 10th versus 17th, and it was a share of the spoils to both as uh, they would draw 2-2 in front of a crowd of 18,518. Um, the goals in this one, Ricardo Lopez would score in the first minute, and then Maximan for for uh, Querétaro. In the 59th minute, Maximiliano Oliveira would pull a level for Juarez. Juarez would go ahead, actually, in the 69th minute on a goal from Jordan Sierra, but in the 86th minute, Querétaro would pull level from the penalty spot. Pablo Barrera, 2-2, your final in Querétaro. And then at the stadium they call the the, the no comp <laughs> just like the one in Barcelona. This one much smaller. It's the Estadio León in León de las Aldamas 
in Mexico. 20,113 in attendance for this one. Leon also in Champions League midweek. They beat Tauro 2-0 in advance, and they had no problem beating Santos Laguna here on a Sunday night. Uh, it would start out with two early goals for Leon. Victor Davila would open the scoring in the 6th minute. Iban Moreno would make it 2-0 in the 27th. Two minutes after that, Santos Laguna would see Hugo Rodriguez sent off straight red card, forcing a substitution where Felix Torres comes in for Diego Medina just a moment later. Leon would counter that move by, by subbing on Elias Hernandez for Yairo Moreno. And then in the 44th, you would see the same Victor Davila double his name on the score sheet. Now 3-0 going into halftime. In the 58th, Santos Laguna would pull on back thanks to Harold Preciado on an assist from Lucas Gonzalez. But uh, that uh, hope was short-lived in the 65th. Fidel Ambriz closes out the scoring on an assist from Victor Davila. The man of the match in this one was clearly Victor Davila. He had a 9.5 rating on on Mob. This one finishes 4-1 in favor of Leon. And the table now. With round 12 in the books. Some teams have played 12. Some have played 11. Monterrey lead and they lead comfortably. 10 victories, 1 draw, 1 defeat for Reados. They have 31 points. Second place now is America on 23 points. But they are 8 behind uh, behind Monterrey here. Again, 5 rounds to go for uh, the teams that have played 12 matches. One point behind America is Toluca now in third place with 22. Also on 22 is Pachuca as they rebounded, like I said, after their elimination from CONCACAF Champions League. Leon in fifth with 21. Same amount of points as Tigres in sixth and Chivas in seventh. Very, very small margin between second and seventh place here. As eighth place is Cruz Azul a little further behind with 16 points. Ninth place right now belongs to Santos Laguna. They have 15 and they are two points ahead of Juarez, who are sitting in 10th, while 11th belongs to Puebla with 13. And the final spot right now for the repechaje or the reclassification, um, 12th place Atlas trying to get back into the playoffs. 12 advance to the playoffs in, in Liga Mekis. The top four get a bye to the quarterfinals, and the next eight play for the last four spots. 13th right now on the same number of points but with an inferior goal difference is Nikaxa. 12 points, like I said, minus 2 in their goal difference. And then 14th with minus 3 in the goal difference but also with 12 points is Tijuana. Also on 12 points in 15th, Atletico San Luis. They have a minus 5 goal difference but they're 1 point better than Pumas as uh, they sit in 16th with with 11 points. And then Querétaro is 17th with 9, and Mezatlan 18th with 4. And like I said, Mezatlan, even with just eight po- with just 4 points, they are only 7 points uh, behind 16th and really only 8 points out of 12th place in a spot in the playoffs. So still not over for them. Um, basically, er, this is what the organizers of Liga Mekis want at this point. Five rounds to go. Some teams have six. And uh, everybody mathematically and realistically still has a chance. Everybody's just a few match run away from qualifying for the playoffs. That is Liga Mekis for this week. 
we move now to Europe, and uh, we will start with El Clasico this week. I was going to start in the Premier League, but I'm going to start with El Clasico because I didn't even talk about Spain last week. So we'll go to La Liga. It starts. I'm going to go to the end of Sunday night's match. It's El Clasico. For me, this one closes the book on La Liga on the championship uh, race this season. Barcelona hosting Real Madrid. And it started promising for 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 a for a neutral when Vinny Jr. plays the ball in across the face of goal. It goes off of Ronald Araujo and goes into the goal. It's an own goal, putting Real Madrid ahead at the Campino. And uh, it looked like we might have you know a chance to have some sort of race down the stretch. Had Real Madrid won this match, it would have been a different story. But this is a true six-pointer, and this one really puts it out of reach. 95,745 in the house at the Spotify Camp Nou in Barcelona. But that lead would be short-lived because in the 45th minute, Sergio Roberto would pull... uh, would pull the Albi Celeste level and go to halftime. Tied. Carlo Ancelotti goes for substitutions early in the second half. On comes Furlan Mendy for Nacho Fernandez and Rodrigo for Tony Cruz. However, Chabi in the other dugout stays calm, doesn't make too many changes. Of course, it, the result is just fine for Barcelona with how far they were ahead. It is Real Madrid that has to win this match. And in the 76th, the triple substitution, Aurelien Chaumeni comes on for Eduardo Camavinga. Daniel Ceballos comes on for Luka Modric. And Marco Osencio comes on for Federico Belverde. Uh, and that's when Xavi finally counters on his bench. On comes Frank Kessier in place of Sergi Roberto. And then in the 81st minute, Marco Asensio thought he had put Real Madrid ahead. He thought he'd put the visitors back in front. But then the VAR would rule the goal offside and take it off the board. Fernand Torres replaces Rafinha in the 83rd minute. And then it would go to to stoppage time after Ansu Fati had replaced Gavi. It was the substitute. It was Frank Kessier who would get on the end of a ball from... Alex Balde and Kessier essentially wins the La Liga title here, clinches it up for Barcelona. No one would have expected. I did not expect this from Barcelona this season. Uh, I've been vocal in my criticism of them, more so in the way they run their club and run their finances than what it is on the pitch. I mean, I've been critical of their way of playing too, but I have to sit here and I have to admit that uh, in the end, they they were right to go get Xavi. He's proven to be a good manager. Um, however, they have failed in Europe two years in a row, which has made it a bit easier for them domestically. And next year, I don't think that is going to uh, going to be accepted. Uh, Barcelona need to get back to where they were in Europe. They desperately need it financially. And, of course, with more and more coming out every week about Barcelona's possible corruption, and now we know that they have paid referees and they have paid, you know, uh, members of the referee community. Uh, We'll see what comes of this, but from a footballing sense, Barcelona sit well, well ahead of Real Madrid now in the table. They have 68 points to Real Madrid's 56, a 12-point lead with 12 matches to play. I think this one is done. I'm, and I think Real Madrid already kind of accepted that Real Madrid is going to focus on the Champions League while Barca sees out the rest of the La Liga calendar. Elsewhere in 
uh, La Liga this weekend. It started on Friday. Real Valladolid losing at home 1-3 to to Athletic Bilbao. And then Saturday, Almeria and Cadiz draw 1-1. Rajo Vallecano draws 2-2 with Girona. Girona traveling. And uh, Girona, of course, is featuring former New York City FC player Tati Castellanos. And uh, he would he would start up front for for Hirona in this one. He wouldn't get on the score sheet, however. Uh, both Hirona goals were scored by Viktor Saiganov, the Saiganov, excuse me, the the Ukrainian striker with a 9.1 rating in this match. Uh, Rajo Vallecano's goal would come from Palazon and Trejo. Uh, share the spoils to both sides in that one. And last the last time I was. Talking about betting on the show, I put this is the only team that basically didn't let me down on that first weekend. Uh, it was Celta Vigo, Carlos Carvalhal's side from from Galicia, travel to Barcelona to Catalonia to take on Espanyol and Celta Vigo, doing it again on the road. Goals in this one for Celta Vigo from Gabriel Vega, Iago Aspas, and from. Carlos Perez with an assist from the former Benfica man, Franco Cervi, one of my favorites. Uh, a very, very solid performance. Espanyol would get a goal late. They'd pull one back thanks to Jose Graguera, but it would be Espanyol 1, Celta Vigo 3. That's how this one finishes. And then Atletico Madrid versus Valencia. And it was all Atletico Madrid in this one. Antoine Griezmann, Yannick Carrasco, and Thomas Lamar with goals. For Los Rojiblancos, Real, uh, no, Atletico Madrid, excuse me, takes all three points here. Moving us to Sunday, Real Betis versus Mallorca. And it is Real Betis, after their tough, after being eliminated from the Europa League, rebound with a win over Mallorca here, thanks to Borja Iglesias' goal in the 48th minute. Osasuna hosting Villarreal. Bijareal with a comfortable 3-0 win thanks to Chukawense and 2 from Morales. The yellow submarine picks up 3 points. Real Sociedad continues to win. They beat Elche here at home with a 48th minute goal from Tefusa Kubo. An assist from the legend David Silva. And then late in the match, 90th plus 3. Ender Barantesa with a goal here. Making it 2-0 and the 28,496 at the Real Arena in San Sebastian. Uh, go home happy. It's three points for for Real Sociedad. And they, they'll look forward to continuing their run later next week as they keep up their fight for a spot. In next year's UEFA Champions League, they are fighting for top four right now. And lastly here, one more match, two more ma- yeah, one more match to talk about. It is Hetafe hosting Sevilla, and Sevilla already <laughs> dismissing another manager as uh, Sampioli has left Sevilla now as uh, he was sacked uh, after... When was he sacked? He was sacked after this match, if I'm not mistaken. I'm looking at it. Yes, he was sacked. Uh, the news release came out today. <laughs> um, I believe he was sacked before today, but it, I'm re- the re- article I'm reading is from today. It says, 
Sevilla are again on the lookout for a new head coach after Sampioli was dismissed on Tuesday. It was, in fact, today. Jorge Sampioli has been sacked by Sevilla after a four-run of poor run of form and left them just two points above the relegation zone in La Liga. A 2-0 defeat at fellow strugglers Hetafe on Sunday proved the final straw for Sampioli who only who had only returned for a second spell in charge in October. Now this is a bad time to be sacking a manager considering Sevilla have a Europa League quarterfinal coming up with a very informed Manchester United but obviously their primary focus here is to not get relegated. So let's look at the table now after we've gone through all the matches here in La Liga. Barcelona, champions-elect at this point, 68 points. Real Madrid, second with 56. Five better than third place. Atletico Madrid, and then the race really gets interesting here. For fourth place, it's Real Sociedad right now with 48 points. Three better than Real Betis in fifth with 45. And Bija Real right now holding on to the Europa Conference League spot in sixth place with 41 points. Five points behind them is Athletic Bilbao and Rajo Vallecano, uh, both in seventh and eighth with 36 points apiece. Osasuna and Celta Vigo, ninth and tenth with 34 points respectively. Mallorca is 11th. Gerona, 12th. Hitafe 13th, Sevilla, as we said, uh, they're 14th, but only a point above the line right now, uh, as they have 28 points, same as Cadiz and, and Real Valladolid, and in 17th place, Espanyol right now is the final safe team with 27 uh, one point better than Valencia right now, who are sitting in the relegation spot, and it would be a severe uh, blow to to Los Che to be relegated. They are a team that's supposed to be pushing and competing for the top spots, not fighting to stave off relegation here. But right now they are 18th on 26 points. The good news for them is they're not that far from safety if they can put together a run. They got 12 matches left. Uh, it's it's now or never for Valencia in 19th place. Almeria also on 26 points, and then way behind them, uh, 13 points behind them, in fact, is 20th place Elche, who you can probably count on to be going down to La Liga 2 next season. That is La Liga. Let's go to England now. And uh, we'll start with the FA Cup on Saturday, as it was quarterfinal weekend in the FA Cup. Pulling up those results right now, and we start the quarterfinals here. With a Saturday matchup at the Etihad, Manchester City hosting Burnley. And it is the Citizens with a very, very in-form Erling Haaland. He does it again, this time only a hat-trick for the Wonder Man. Uh, (laughs) Just an unbelievable run of form for Erling Haaland this season and uh, of late, this week even. um, As he had five against RB Leipzig and now... Three here against Burnley in the FA Cup quarterfinal. Julian Alvarez with two of his own. And lastly, Manchester City's sixth would be scored by, or it would be their fifth. It was Cole Palmer before Julian Alvarez notched his second. 6 0 Manchester City through to the semi finals. Then on Sunday, you had Sheffield United hosting Blackburn Rovers for a spot in the semifinals. It would be the visitors, Blackburn Rovers, getting on the board first from the penalty spot. Ben Breton would convert the penalty 1-0 to Rovers, but that would last for only seven minutes because 
Blackburn's Sam Gallagher would redirect the ball into his own goal. It would be an own goal in OG in the 28th minute, pulling uh, Sheffield United level. They go into halftime that way, 1-1 in the second half. Blackburn would would go ahead again. Sammy Smodics would score on an assist by Sam Gallagher, making up for his own goal there, 2-1 uh, Blackburn Rovers. But then in the final 10 minutes, Sheffield United turns it on, turns it around, and books themselves a trip to the semifinals in the 81st. It's Oliver McBurney on an assist from Max Lowe. It's 2-2. Everyone in the ground is expecting extra time, but then in the 90th plus one, Thomas Doyle saves the day on an assist from Sanderberge, and Thomas Doyle sends Sheffield United to the semifinals of the FA Cup. Sheffield 3, Blackburn 2. Brighton, Hove, and Albion. Hosting Grimsby Town at the American Express Community Stadium in in Falmer, East Sussex, to be exact. And Brighton would have themselves a fairly uh, relaxing day here against uh, the League 2 side, the Premier League side. Just too much for the, the Cinderella run of Grimsby Town as Dennis Undav would score for Brighton right there in the sixth minute. At halftime, it still looked like anybody's match, but then the superior form and the superior quality of the Premier League side takes over in the second half in the 51st minute. Evan Ferguson scores on an assist by the world champion Alexis McAllister. And in the 70th, it is Ferguson again to make it 3-0. And that's when the floodgates start to open. 82nd minute, Solly March on an assist from Adam Webster. 4-0 to Brighton before Karu Mitoma closes out the scoring in the 90th on an assist from Pascal Gross. Brighton 5, Grimsby Town 0. Grimsby's magical run, cup run, ends here at the quarterfinals. But what a job done by the League 2 side to get to this point and in the last match of the quarterfinals at Old Trafford it was a controversial one here it was Manchester United hosting Fulham and in the 50th minute Alexander Mitrovic puts Fulham ahead and then Fulham absolutely implodes in the 72nd minute William is sent off after a penalty is called by VAR and in reaction to that, Alexander Mitrovic's protests get him sent off. He actually touches the referee. He could be in very, very big trouble. And I know there was also someone on the the Fulham bench also sent off. I'm not sure if it was Marco Silva or not. I don't. I don't know. I meant to look the, uh, into that. But um, anyway, there were three red cards showing, but only two to players. But anyhow, that meant that Fulham now had. 18 minutes to play with nine men, and they had to hope for the penalty to be saved. But up steps Bruno Fernandes, and the former Sporting Lisbon man converts his penalty, makes it 1-1. Yes, I just called him Sporting Lisbon. Don't correct me. That's what I'm going to call him. As Bruno Fernandes uh, makes it 1-1, and now with a two-man advantage and at home at Old Trafford, there wasn't anybody doubting that United were going to see this one out. Just two minutes later, Marcel Sabitzer gets on the end of a cross from Luke Shaw. It's 2-1 United. And Fulham left to make massive substitutions here. In the 89th, they try it all as Daniel James, Manor Solomon, Cedric Swatch, and Tom Carney come on for Harrison Reed. Bobby Reed 
Kenny Tete and Andreas Pereira. But all that got them was was burned on the counter here as Fred would set up his buddy Bruno Fernandes for the Portuguese man's second of the match. It finishes Manchester United 3, Fulham Football Club 1. Manchester United through to the semifinals. So the semifinals will take place uh, the weekend of Saturday, April the 22nd. And they will be played at Wembley. Both semifinals will be played at Wembley. We don't need, know yet who's playing Saturday, who's playing Sunday. But it's Brighton, Hove, and Albion versus Manchester United and Manchester City versus Sheffield United. All signs pointing to a Manchester derby at Wembley for the cup final at the end of the season. You know, that's what the FA wants to see. Um, the purists may want to see an upset and have a giant versus a minnow, perhaps. And, uh, you know, give themselves... Someone to really hope for. Well, meanwhile, in the Premier League, the rest of the Premier League played while those teams, while those eight teams, you know, were in the quarterfinals. And here are the results of the weekend's action, starting with Friday night's matchup: Newcastle United travel to Nottingham Forest, and they will win two to one. Uh, this match. Played at the city ground in front of 29,362. And the goals, both goals were scored by Alexander Isaac. He was the man of the match in this one for the Magpies. Nottingham Forest's goal would be scored by Emmanuel Denny. And actually, they would take the lead. Nottingham Forest would take the lead early. But it would be Newcastle United overturning that result and taking three points home with them. On Saturday, Aston Villa host Bournemouth, and Aston Villa beat Bournemouth 3-0 at Villa Park. You would get goals from Douglas Luiz as well as Jacob Ramsey and Emiliano Buendia. 3-0 to the villains in this one. Um, another loss for Bournemouth, facing rele- relegation right in the face right now. Uh, Brentford hosting Leicester City, and Brentford got the lead early, and it looked good for the Bees when Matthias Janssen put them ahead in the 32nd minute. But in the 52nd minute, Harvey Barnes, assisted by James Madison, put Leicester level. That's how this one would finish. This one played at the Community Stadium in Brentford in front of 17,000. Liverpool, Fulham obviously postponed as Fulham were playing in the FA Cup quarterfinals. Southampton versus Tottenham Hotspur. This one taking place at the state at the St. Mary's Stadium. In the bottom of the table, Southampton earn a point at home against Champions League contenders Tottenham Hotspur. Goals in this one scored by Che Adams for actually the first goal was belonged to the belonged to the Spaniard Pedro Porro of Tottenham Hotspur, the former sporting uh, wing back. Then in the second half, Che Adams would pull Southampton level on an assist from Theo Walcott. Remember him back in the day. Uh Theo Walcott, the the Gamble that uh, Sir Sven Joran Eriksson took on him for that World Cup all those years ago. Uh, never really panned out into the star that he was expected to be. But anyhow, he's here at Southampton. And he sets up Che Adams with an equalizer in the 46th minute. 65th minute, though, Harry Kane does what Harry Kane does. Puts Tottenham ahead thanks to an assist from Dejan Kuvulevsky. And then... 
Ivan Perisic would give Tottenham some some cushion, and you would expect uh, you would expect Spurs to see this result out, considering they're playing the team bottom of the table, up three one with a quarter of an hour to go. But remember the guy I just talked about there, Theo Walcott. Well, he would show up again here in the seventy seventh, as he would score for Southampton, assisted by Sekou Mara. So thirteen minutes to go. Everything to play for. Southampton uh, throw everything forward in the 90th. Plus three. They would snatch a point and rob uh, Tottenham of two points. James Ward-Prowse would would step up to the penalty spot and convert his penalty. And this match finishes 3-3, a point to each. Wolves hosting Leeds. We're still on Saturday here. And Leeds... Much needed three points here as Wolves are not safe yet either. Uh, Jack Harrison scores in the sixth minute to put Leeds ahead. And then in the 49th minute, Luke Eiling would make it 2-0 on an assist from Mark Rocca. Uh, then in the 62nd minute, Rasmus Christensen makes it 3-0 to Leeds. And you had to favor them at this point. But Wolves wasn't about to go easy in the 60. 60- Fifth minute, it is Yanni scoring to make it 3-1. And then Mateus Cunha making it 3-2 in the 73rd minute. The Brazilian who came over from Atletico Madrid as he he puts Wolves in striking range. But then it would be it would be put out of reach. Not until the very end, though, in the 90th plus seven, seven minutes into extra time, into time added on, excuse me, Rodrigo. Rodrigo Moreno would would convert and would put Leeds ahead 4-2 and three massive points for Leeds. They were a bit overplayed if you look at the stats, but they managed to get it done. Possession went Wolves' way 66-34 and expected goals of 2.78 for Wolves, while with just 1.62 expected goals and just four shots on target. Leeds caught four goals. These are the kind of wins you get when you have to stay up. The Molyneux was packed with 31,570. And right now, Wolves are in 13th while Leeds are up to 14th. They're a point apart now. Moving on from there, Chelsea hosting Everton. Everton still in relegation trouble. And Chelsea fighting to just go up the table. They're in the lowest uh, place they've seen themselves in in a long, long time. As this one was played at Stamford Bridge in front of 40,025. And João Felix would open the scoring in the 52nd minute, the on-loan Atletico Madrid star, uh, who's been, I think, uh, arguably the be- Chelsea's best player since joining in the January transfer window. He puts... The Blues ahead, but then the Toffees would come back in the 69th minute. Thanks to Abdoulaye Delcore making it 1-1, an assist here for James Turkowski. But then in the 76th, the referee will point to the spot again, and it will be Kai Havertz stepping up for Chelsea. Kai Havertz converts. Chelsea take a 2-1 lead, and they look set to take three points, which they desperately need. However, when you have the kind of season Chelsea's had, you're never quite comfortable. You're never quite confident in holding on to that result. And in the 89th minute, Chelsea's fans' nightmares would come true as Ellis Smith 
pulls Everton level one minute from 90. An assist again, the same name we said on the goal. He's involved in this one again. It's Abdullah Dalcore, and this one goes 2-2 and a point to each. Everton fighting and this has really got to be considered to be an extra point for them in their battle to stay up. Sunday, we had a routine victory for Arsenal. They weren't even worried about being eliminated from the Europa League. I think, actually, um, in the grand scheme of things, it was a good thing for, for Arsenal. I think it was a convenient thing. I don't want to say it was a good thing. It's never good to go out of a competition, but I think it's going to prove convenient as now they can focus solely on the Premier League and and getting themselves another title. Um, it wants, if Manchester City get going, they may not drop any more points. So, so Arsenal have to be at their best the rest of the way. Martinelli in the 28th minute uh, would put the Gunners ahead. Then Bukayo Saka would score in the 43rd to make it 2-0. Crystal Palace would pull one back thanks to Jeffrey Schlup in the 63rd before Bukayo Saka makes it makes it uh, 3-1. And then um, in between, actually, Saka's two goals is a 55th-minute goal from Granit Xhaka. And Arsenal take all three points as uh, they continue to press on and look for the title. Uh, obviously, Brighton v Man United was postponed as was Man City v West Ham United the table right now Arsenal with 69 points they've got they've gone from having a match in hand to having an extra match played so that eight point lead is is a little bit misleading because City now have a match in hand with 61 points with 50 points in third place right now is Manchester United but they have two matches in hand on fourth place Tottenham Hotspur, who are one point behind them. And Newcastle United, not out of it either. They also have played 26 matches, just like Manchester United. And they are only two points behind Spurs with, as I said, two matches in hand. Sixth place right now is Liverpool with 42 points. Brighton seventh with 42. And Brentford also on 42 in eighth. Fulham is ninth with 39. Chelsea right now tenth with 38 points. The same exact amount as Aston Villa, but with a superior goal difference. Crystal Palace are 12th with 27 points. Wolves are 13th with 27. Leeds 14th with 26. Same 26 as Nottingham Forest. 25 points here for, uh, sorry, 26 for Everton and Nottingham Forest. It's Everton in 15th. And Nottingham Forest in 16th. All three teams on 26 points. Nobody is safe right now. Leicester City 17th. Only one point above the line with 25. West Ham United right now is in the drop zone. But they do have a match in hand on Leicester and Nottingham. 24 points for them. Bournemouth are 19th with 24 points. And Southampton bottom of the table with 23 points. Nobody is relegated yet. And nobody is safe from... All the way from 20th to 12th, you only have four points separating them. It's going to be a fun. Uh, it's going to be a fun race to the in the relegation battle as well. Quick look at the scoring leaders in this one, and there's no surprise. It's Erling Holland with 28 goals right now. 
insane. Harry Kane with what would normally be a very, very impressive 21 goals, but he feels like he's miles behind Holland right now. Ivan Tony with 16 is third. Marcus Rashford up to fourth with 14 points, while Gabriel Martinelli is, rounds up the top five with 13. Next week's fixtures now. Saturday, April the 1st, of course, I say next week, but we're going into the international break. So when we return from the international break, Manchester City v. Liverpool, it's an early one. It's a 7.30 a.m. Eastern time, uh, 12.30 p.m. local time kickoff at the Etihad. Bournemouth then host Fulham. Arsenal host Leeds. Brighton host Brentford. Crystal Palace host Leicester. Nottingham Forest host Wolves. As we said, how jammed up tight that relegation race is. And we'll close out April 1st match at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time uh, with Chelsea versus Aston Villa at Stamford Bridge. And then on Sunday, West Ham hosts Southampton and Newcastle will look to avenge their loss in the League Cup final when they host Manchester United. And there is a Monday game on that round when Everton hosts Tottenham Hotspur. Let's continue on here. Um I do want to talk about the Bundesliga really quickly here, as it was another. There, was, just when you thought Bayern were just gonna cruise away with this one, Bayern lose again in the Bundesliga, and um, I think they're a little, they're a little more focused on the Champions League. Obviously, uh, their experience serves them a little bit more there. Uh, the the Bundesliga right now is tough. Bayern München on Sunday travel to Bayer Leverkusen and are beaten 2-1 to one by Bayern Leverkusen uh, side managed, of course, by Xabi Alonso, who is having himself a fantastic run as a manager. The goals in this one scored both by Ezekiel Palacio as he would score both from the penalty spot as well. A little bit unlucky for the Bavarians after Joshua Kimmich had put him ahead in the 22nd minute, but they drop all three points, which means that Saturday's result of Borussia Dortmund beating Cologne 6-1 to one, uh, puts Borussia Dortmund ahead in the Bundesliga right now, and their goals in this one were scored by Rafael Guerrero, by... Sebastian Haller, he had two actually, and two additional assists for Rafael Guerrero, who was the man of the match here. Daniel Malin would score as well as would uh, Marco Royce. So six to one, the final result uh, for Dortmund in front of the yellow wall. Other results in the Bundesliga: Augsburg one one with Schalke, Hoffenheim three one winners over Erta Berlin, Stuttgart lose at home. 1-0 to Wolfsburg, and RB Leipzig struggles continue as they lose away 1-0 to Bochum. Union Berlin finally get back in the win column. They win 2-0 at home to Eintracht Frankfurt, and Mainz draw Freiburg 1-1. There was a Friday match I almost missed here. Borussia Mönchengladbach draw 2-2 with Werder Bremen. Let's look at the table then. Dortmund 53 points. One better than Bayern at this point. 25 matches in. Nine matches to play. 
in the Bundesliga. Third place now is Union Berlin with a two-point cushion over fourth place Freiburg, who has 46 points. RB Leipzig not out of the Champions League places by any means, only one point back of Freiburg with 45. Eintracht Frankfurt right now is sixth with 40. Then in seventh, you have Wolfsburg with 38. Bayer Leverkusen, eighth with 37. Mainz are ninth with 37. Borussia Mönchengladbach are 10th with 31. Same number of points as 11th place of Werder Bremen. 12th place belongs to Augsburg right now. They have 28. 27 points for Cologne in 13th. Bochum have 25 in 14th. While Hoffenheim have a one-point margin right now that keep them safe from the relegation playoff. They have 22 points. While 16th place Erta Berlin have 16 uh, sorry, are in 16th with 21 points. Also on 21 points is 17th place Schalke. And with 20 points right now is VFB Stuttgart. Just like in the Premier League, this is absolutely razor close. Five points separate 18th and 14th right now. And even, even Cologne in 13th are only six points clear of the drop right now this is going to be a battle to the very end to see who drops in the Bundesliga lastly we go to the Serie A actually we have two more two more leagues that I want to talk about this week Serie A uh, we had another weekend of big matchups as usual um Struggling teams at the top, struggling teams in the middle. <laughs> you know who's not struggling is Napoli. Napoli come into this round. They went 4-0 on Sunday away at Torino, while Inter and AC Milan would both lose this weekend. Milan lose at Udinese 3-1, while Inter lose at home to Juventus 1-0. Uh, Derby de la, de la Capitale at Rome's Olympic Stadium. Lazio beat Roma after Jose Mourinho talked a little smack during the week. Uh, they ended up getting their comeuppance here as Lazio would take all three points thanks to a goal from Mattia Zaccagni in the 65th minute, and they move into third place, I want to say now, for for uh, Lazio. Sorry, second place. Lazio now are second in this in what's going to be a good race for places two, three, and four, of course, in Serie A. Other results this weekend, Monza. Uh, Monza 1-1 draw with Cremonese. Sassuolo beat Spezia 1-0. Atalanta beat Empoli 2-1. Salernitana draw 2-2 with Bologna. Sampdoria 3-1 winners over Hellas Verona. Fiorentina pick up a win over Lecce. And that is the results. The next round of matches, Saturday, April 1st, just like uh, in the other leagues after the international break. Cremonese will host Atalanta. Inter will host Fiorentina. Juventus host Hellas Verona. Bologna host Udinese. Lazio travel to Monza, while Spezia host Salernitana. Roma look to get back to, to their winning ways against Sampdoria at the Olimpico. Napoli host Milan in what should be a big match, but uh, again, Milan uh, struggling right now. Yes, they are still in the Champions League, and this is actually a preview of what a few days later, or maybe a fortnight later, will be a UEFA Cup quarterfinal tie. So Napoli and Milan, be interesting to see how much they show of each other. Be interesting to see how much Napoli reveals in this match 
or if Luciano Spalletti is going to uh, is going to hold back a little bit in this league tie, given the large large cushion Napoli have at the top of the table. And then two matches on that Monday: Empoli host Lecce and Sassuolo host Torino. Okay, lastly, we're going to go to South America and we're going to go to Argentina for, uh, for the Argentine League that has been underway for quite some time yet and I have not even uh, spoken about it. The Liga Profesionale Round 8 and uh, we're going to be tracking this league this season, of course, here on the podcast as last season was such a fantastic end. Um, so we had matches played over the weekend Okay, so starting with Friday, Union hosting Racing. Racing went 3-1 at Union. And then Saturday, Arsenal Sarandi beat Tigre 2-0. Atlético Platense will beat Defensa y Justicia 1-0. Independiente and Colón draw 2-2. Atlético Tucumán will draw 1-1 with Paracas Central. Godoy Cruz 3-1 winners over Belgrano. On Sunday, Gimnasia La Plata uh, versus Estudiantes. It is the Clásico de La Plata, uh, the City of La Plata's derby match. And this one went to Gimnasia 2-1 over Estudiantes. While Boca Juniors were beaten at La Bombonera by Instituto. River Plate traveled to Sarmiento and won 2-0. Boca Juniors, of course, the defending champions, winning it on the final day of the league last season. Snatching it from their rivals. Uh, sorry, having it handed to them by their rivals, I should say, when River Plate uh, beat Racing on the final day. Tajeres, 1-0 losers at home to Bonfield. And then yesterday, Monday's matches, we had we had Newell's Old Boys winning 1-0 at home to San Lorenzo. Urucan losing at home to Rosario Central. La Luz and Argentinos Juniors. Draw it nil nil and in progress right now at the time of recording, Bales Sarsfield is beating uh, Central Cordoba de Santiago one nil as I speak at the Stadio Jose Amafitani in Buenos Aires. All right, the table now in the Liga Argentina or the Liga Profesionale to to be correct. It is River Plate. It is Las Cainas in first place. Los Millonarios, if you will, uh, they have 18 points. Two better than San Lorenzo, who picked up their first defeat this weekend with 16 points. Defensa Justicia, Racing, and Lanús, and Noel Old Boys, all with 14 points. As well as uh, Old Boys' city rivals, Rosario Central. Tajeres is 8th with 13 points, so very, very close here. Instituto with 13 as well. 10th place belongs to Urucan right now with 12 points. Same as 11th place, Well, Vales. If they go on to win, we'll also have 12 points. I'm not giving them 12 points yet. Godoy Cruz, though, does have 12 points. Boca Juniors in 14th right now on 11 points. And that will sum up our trip around the world tonight. That is it for Parking the Bus. This was episode 97 as we inch closer to 100. Um... Again, I'll have another episode hopefully on Friday. I'm planning to record it Friday where I'll catch you up to date on everything going on in the U.S. Open Cup first round. This is exciting. 
Um, and it, it actually plays in nicely to this week's episode of the Birth of Amer- Birth of a Soccer Nation podcast, which will drop Thursday again. We're going to be talking about the U.S. Open Cup in the years of 1967, 68, and 69, which were won by a powerhouse of an amateur club um you've noticed when i've talked about the founding of the nasl in that podcast we didn't talk about the u.s open cup that's because nasl teams did not partake but that doesn't mean it didn't exist and wasn't a big deal so we'll talk about a very very powerful amateur team out of new york city that was dominating in that time frame we'll also talk a little bit about college soccer because that counts too that's all part of the of the culture that was born here out of this time. And um, we'll even check in with how the United States national team was doing at that time also. So that's it for this episode. Tune in later this week. More content coming your way. Of course, uh, a new Mr. Benfica episode will also drop this week. That's on my list for Thursday, uh, for a recording Thursday. And, um, yeah, I hope to hear, to be here with you again all on Friday when we talk about those matches and then again next Monday slash Tuesday. The goal is on Monday, but it didn't get out on Monday. It's getting out here on Tuesday. All right, here on the Park in the Bus podcast where uh, we'll cover all the action and get you all informed and up to date. Um, And I do believe that Friday's episode I will have some time to Go over some news items. Um, we'll talk a little bit about Berhalter and Reyna, about that issue. I've, I haven't talked about that yet. Plus, I'm going to talk about the news that dropped very, very recently that CBS is launching an all-soccer 24-hour network on Pluto TV. Very, very exciting. Can't wait to talk about that as well. Um, and anything you want me to talk about, feel free to just drop me a line at PTB underscore media on Instagram, or you can you can DM me on Twitter as well at Mike Agustino. That's M I K E A G O S T I N H O. If you like the content and you want to support the project, of course there is a donation button on the website www.parkingthebusimmediate.com. Um, but that is only if you want to. If you really want to help me, the best way to help me is to share this podcast with your friends that love football. Please share it on your social media. Please uh, subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Give a five-star rating where possible. Uh, That can really help me so that I can get exposed to more and more football fans around America and around the world. so that really, more than any type of financial contribution, is what I could use right now. The, the option is there if someone wants to wants to uh, donate financially. I, there, I have plenty of bills as a result of these podcasts that I could use help with. But really, what I what I would like doesn't cost a thing. Just just download the podcast, share it, um, tell your friends about it. If everybody tells one or two of their friends, you know, the audience can can grow. Very, very quickly. All right. And give it a five star rating because that also helps. And um, I haven't done anything there in a while, but do go over to YouTube and follow the PTB Media Network on YouTube. Give it a subscribe. And um, more content will be coming your way. Like I said, I'm working on getting some written content in the coming weeks. I'm not sure where I'm going to start. Um, one other note that I did leave out, I did want to update everyone on this. Of course, our favorite non league side, at least at this podcast, least for me, our favorite non-league side playing in in the English football system. They played this weekend, 
And I'm pulling up their result right now. Of course, I'm talking about AFC Wrexham. Let's check in with them in the National League and see how they are doing, of course, as um, I should say Wrexham AFC, as they are heading towards the crescendo of their season as well. And last weekend, Wrexham were victorious again on Saturday on the road at Bromley. They would win 2-1. Two, two more goals from Paul Mullen. He is just tearing up the scoring charts in the National League. And, and now the table has Wrexham three points ahead of Knotts County, Knotts County top the National League with a match in hand, mind you. Um, when Wrexham play that match in hand, uh, they could open that lead to six points. And, and we're getting to the point where that that's going to start to really bode well in their favor. As we look now, Wrexham's la- next match will be this Saturday. So they will get some they will get some special attention in next week's edition of the Park in the Bus podcast because we'll have just MLS really to talk about. And then we will talk Wrexham as much as we can. Of course, it's hard to uh, – you can't really watch these matches can only go by highlights on YouTube, but they will be hosting York City on Saturday. And the rest of the matches here for Wrexham down the stretch. So they will play Saturday at home to York City. They got two back to back home matches here. Saturday, April 1st, they're home against Oldham Athletic. Then they travel on Friday, April the 7th to Halifax Town before hosting Knox County on Monday, April the 10th. That is a massive matchup if uh, they, they can go into that match and, and probably law, guarantee promotion, which will be huge for the club, It'll be huge for ESPN and ESPN Plus, that's for sure, and obviously huge for the show. Uh, I can't wait until we get to see this behind the scenes in the future. So Wrexham right now have a total of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 matches left to play. To close out this season, their final match is a Saturday, April the 29th, away at Torque. Um, and they're hoping that there will be no playoff matches, that they will win the division and gain automatic promotion. But that's where we'll finish up today. That's it for this episode. I'll see you again later this week here on the PTB Media Network. This is the Mr. Mike Agustinu signing off. Peace. Peace.